coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing podcast. Really, one, one kind of cool thing I'd like to do is make that third flavor nut-free. Um, because even though I think it's like 2% of the population is allergic to nuts, it's uh, those folks are really kind of dealt out of the hand when it comes to, to energy bars, where a lot of a lot of the options out there have nuts in them. So it'd be, it'd be cool to make at least one of those formulations nut-free so that those folks can get in on the action. That was that kind with some insight into what might be next for range meal bars. Getting your trail food dialed, caloric intake explained, and the survival challenge today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how are you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. You can share an episode right now and support this podcast and help another fellow angler out find this resource and all the great episodes we have here. Just click a share button in your app, whatever you're listening to right now, and share out the love. Thanks in advance if you've already had a chance to share. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Meal Bars. Each bar is 700 calories and fits easily into the pocket of your backpack, vest, or wherever you need. Range bars are made using only the highest quality gluten-free ingredients, and they are the most convenient and compact way to get out the door and on the river. You can support this podcast and a great local company right now by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash range. That's R-A-N-G-E. Range Meal Bars, a legitimate meal in your pocket. Zach Hine is here to take us into Range Meal Bars, and uh, and we find out why he got into creating this uh, super power-packed trail bar. If you don't know, um, I have this weird fascination with trail bars, and we talk about that today. We hear the story of why Zach created the only 700-calorie uh, bar, what he's doing as far as conservation, and then where he's headed next. We're going to dig into it. This is a fun one. Excited to uh, share this story with you. So here we go. Zach Hine from rangemealbars.com. How you doing, Zach? Doing well. It's great to be here. Listen to most of the episodes recently and uh, yeah, excited to chat with you. Nice, nice. Yeah, we've, we've been mixing it up. We had one. Uh, one actually that was pretty fun was, uh, I'm not sure if you saw the one with the professional skateboarder, but we had um, uh, David Gravette, who is a pro skateboarder. And he, I think he probably said about like maybe a hundred swear words in that one. So uh, <laughs> we had to, we, we, you know, when it gets like that, you can't beep them out because it's just too much work. So we just put explicit and occasionally we'll have an explicit, but I, I'm guessing this won't be quite like that, right? It sounds like you're a little more, uh, kind of maintained right as far as your uh, excitement level and, and kind of sailor talk yeah well we'll keep it clean all right <laughs> good uh well we're gonna dig into uh range meal bar and uh you have this great bar which we've been you know focusing on and you're a sponsor and this has been really cool because i'm a crazy bar fanatic and i always have bars i've always you know for as long as i can remember right that's kind of what keeps me going and uh, but the struggle is that sometimes the bars aren't the best tasting Sometimes they don't pack a punch, but when I tasted yours and and ate it, like for the first time, I was like, damn, this thing, it's like one bite and it kind of keeps you going. So we're going to talk about what your magic secret is and all that. But before we get there, just let's go back real quick to like, first, how the idea, how, how do you come to having a meal, uh, basically a meal bar, a company? Totally. Yeah. It's uh, it kind of goes back to 2017. So I was a student at Montana State. Uh, university at the time, which is in Bozeman, Montana. So 
a lot of your viewers are probably familiar with Bozeman. Oh yeah. One of the fly fishing capitals. Um, but yeah, during the week I was spending long hours on campus. Uh, I was usually hitting the gym in the morning and then have several, uh, you know, hours of lecturing and then get some group projects going. And it was really hard for me to pack enough quality meals to kind of keep myself sustained. Um, doesn't help that I also, you know, had the metabolism of a, of a young man. So ripping through calories. Um, but yeah, that was during the week. And then on the weekends, we'd be playing in the mountains around Bozeman. So, you know, backpacking, biking, skiing, climbing, uh, a little bit of fishing as well. Um, so yeah, really between the two of those, I was just like, man, I can't have enough food on me at any given time. And, uh, as I was looking at stuff on the market, you know, you got like your 200 calorie, like cliff bars and stuff that you can buy at Walmart. Um, but those were kind of like mostly sugar and just really weren't doing it for me. Like my jaw was falling off after eating one. Uh, so I, uh, I went back to my kitchen, you know, my, my background is actually in engineering, so that's kind of all about solving problems. And, uh, yeah, I went, went back to my kitchen and pulled up the recipe for a no bake brownie and, uh, yeah, just started substituting in you know, ingredients that were calorically dense and, and a bit healthier. So, you know, I substituted in like oats for flour and honey for sugar. And I think I did peanut butter for just regular butter. And uh, yeah, wrapped those suckers up in some wax paper and uh, called it a day. And uh, yeah, it worked out really well. I was I was bringing them on campus for during the week. And then, you know, I started bringing them on our ski trips and uh, hiking trips and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that, that's really where it started, and it's certainly come a long ways from there. But that's the that's the origin of the idea. That's it. That's it. That's how it started. And Bozeman, when you're in Bozeman, and so eventually you left Bozeman after college. Is that what happened? I did. Yeah. So this was this all started like senior year, like kind of the fall of senior year. And uh, yeah, I was packing them with me for most of that year. And, and after a month or two, my buddies were like, "Hey, can you start bringing extra for us?" Like those. That's a pretty good idea. And uh, and yeah, as graduation approached, the same people were saying, hey, dude, like you should think about doing something with this. Uh, like, I, There's definitely a place for this on the market and not that many other companies have really focused on this kind of niche problem for, for people that enjoy the outdoors. And uh, yeah, it wasn't really the right time at that particular moment. But uh, after I graduated, I moved back to uh, Vancouver, Washington. And after working full time as an engineer for probably a little bit over a year, uh, I kind of had a better opportunity to dive into it and uh, and see what it would take to productize it and actually get it on the market. Yeah, and it's a and it's a killer package. The, the um, and we just had a recent episode we were talking before we started um, with Grant at Bear Vault, and he was talking about the caloric intake and and the power of that. With bike. he was talking about how he had this twelve pound or whatever it was backpack, his full like a week long trip or whatever. Right, he could pack all his stuff, and he said that that food was a key part of it because that can be a heavy part of your thing. So is that something when you were making this, you were thinking about that, like the backpacker and really getting something compact and that could last a long time? Oh, totally, totally. And I think like, let's see, Grant was specifically talking about caloric density and volumetric density. Right. See, I'm not that smart. That's the thing. You're an engineer, so you probably understand more of that. <laughs> well, uh, he was talking about like the difference between Cheetos and uh, what was it, like uh, tuna. And so that's what I was thinking when I was coming up with these was just like, okay, how do I make something that's healthy and high quality ingredients, 
but then also you can just throw them in a pack and it's going to take up very little space and it's really going to hit the spot and keep you fueled. Um, so, so certainly, yeah, that was, that was pretty much the MO was, you know, I want it to be healthy and I want it to be like the most compact, convenient way to bring a meal with you. Um, and yeah, I think for the most part we've hit that, hit that. It's not, not for everybody, but I think for people in the outdoors getting after it, it's pretty ideal. Yeah, it is cool. So yeah, so that's it. Basically, yeah, it packs a punch in that 700 calories, right? Compared to a lot of these other bars and there's a bunch in the market. It seems like when you go into the store, what I find, you know, or what, you know, what I found over the years is like everything, you know, it either doesn't taste great or doesn't pack a punch or both. Right. A lot of times, I mean, there's definitely some good ones out there. I eat still, you know, like the, um, what's the, there's the one from uh, the guys from, uh, from Utah, I think. Oh, the, uh, uh pro bar. Yeah. Pro bar. So pro bar, right. So that, that one tastes good. And I'm not sure about the calories on that. So how did, does that one have some calories in it? Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be the first to say there's there's several other good options available, um, and I think mixing and matching is a great uh, a great option to keep things new and fresh. But uh, yeah, Probar is like probably one of the bigger uh, bigger companies that's kind of addressing this problem, where most of their bars are the high 300 calories or the low 400s, uh, and they got they got high quality ingredients as well. I think if you were to pack enough of those to be a meal. Um, it would maybe get to be a little bit much. I think maybe the texture isn't quite ideal for that. Um, but yeah, Pro Bar is a good one. Um, and then, yeah, our bars are 700 calories. So it's absolutely a full meal. Um, and then the other, thing, the other thing I'd highlight is that you need, you need a lot of fat and protein if you're going to be out there um, all day, right? And a lot of the other bars on the market, you'll see like the first ingredient is brown rice syrup. Um, and so they're basically just sugar bombs and then they don't really back it up with like nut butters or uh, whole grains right. and whatnot that it's, it's actually going to keep you going. Um, so I do think that's one thing that the range bars offer that you're not going to find elsewhere. That's it. That's one of the big things. And that's what you notice. Like you said, sometimes I'll just eat a little chunk and it'll keep me going for a while. And that's because it actually has the stuff your body needs as opposed to sugar and some of this other stuff that burns off quickly. Right. Totally, totally. And I think that's the way that a lot of people enjoy them is just they'll have a bite or two and it, it might even take them, you know, an hour of eating a bar. But uh, by the end of it, you're feeling good to go and, and you can get back to, to doing what you're actually out there to do instead of breaking out a stove and, and right. uh, cooking up in the backcountry. Yeah. Do you find people are using these things like a full on, I mean, like throughout the whole day, like even skipping a dinner and having this instead, is that something that if, you know, you could do or people are doing? Totally. Totally. I think how most people use them and I would advocate for this as well is, uh, you know, freeze dried dehydrated meals totally have their place, right? Like you get to, you get to camp at night or, uh, or maybe it's a pretty laid back trip and, uh, and you can boil some water and, and make a meal and, Maybe you brought a little bit of wine with you or something. Um, like that's hard to beat. Uh, so I think how, how most folks use these uh, hunters, fishermen, uh, mountaineers, if you're trying to get out of camp quick in the morning and you know maybe the sun hasn't even risen yet um, and you got a million other things to do, it's so nice to just be able to pull something out of your pocket and be munching on it while you're kind of taking care of other stuff um, or be able to leave one in the, in the pocket of your truck door and just know that you you got a meal like if if the fishing trip went long and uh and you're out there three hours longer than you thought you needed to be uh you kind of got a backup plan but yeah that's typically how i see people use them 
yeah, that's it. And then that's what I always have. I love having the, basically, yeah, having one with me, you know, whether it's in the car door or the pack or the, you know, it's, it's always there because I'm kind of, and I don't know, maybe I'm different than some, but I feel like I almost, um, you know, if I'm not eating something, snacking on something, I feel like my blood sugar is maybe getting low. You know what I mean? I get a little aggravated. That's probably a common thing, right? That Especially when you're eating the wrong food. Totally, totally. One, you look at almost any outdoor activity, uh, compare that to sitting on your butt in an office or something. And right. you're, I mean, you're moving, you're burning calories, you're trying to stay warm or staying cool, depending on what the situation is. You might have a pack on your back, you might be walking on some rugged rocks in cold water, like, it is tough, right? And your body needs a lot of fuel to keep doing that. So yeah, um, certainly. Yeah. So we're good to go then. So if you wake up in the morning, and you eat nothing else but one of your bars just to keep going till lunch. That's not like a, necessarily a, a bad thing to do. That that's that's doable. No, that that's literally the uh, the intent. Actually, the we've, we've since changed the name, but the our first flavor we originally called Alpine Start, which uh, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term, but kind of goes back to climbing mountaineering. So it, it's a, it's a term that they'll use for mountaineering where you have to wake up really early in the morning so that you can. Uh, the snow is still cold and you're not getting ice fall and stuff, but, but literally like wake up at 2 AM and start hiking up a mountain. Um, and so that was the, that was the name for the flavor. Cause like, that's what its intention was is that, Hey, you don't really want to be worrying about trying to throw a sandwich together or put together four other different food items. Like you just want to have boom, one and done, throw this in your backpack and munch on it. And you're, you're good to go. Um, so yeah, people, people definitely use them as like a full meal replacement. Uh, don't need to patch together a bunch of other stuff as well. That's it. Yeah. And I'm looking at, so the chocolate peanut butter and coffee and you still have, you have the two, right? The two, uh, different flavors. Correct. Yep. The two flavors we got are, uh, chocolate peanut butter and coffee and then molasses, ginger, and sea salt. Uh, and actually kind of cool connection. The sea salt for that is harvested off the Oregon coast. Uh, Oh, wow. It's the Jacobson or Jacobson. Uh, oh yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah nice. So yeah, a little that's... local connection there. There you go. And so the Alpine Star. I think I remember seeing that. Did you? That was something you you took that name away, or that was the chocolate one, the coffee one. That was a chocolate one. Yeah, we decided to simplify and uh, yeah, keep things simple so that people could understand what the flavors were. Oh right, as opposed to right some other branding or whatever, just keep it simple. Right, but uh, yeah, and another funny thing about that one, so the coffee content in there is, is real coffee, and if, if you eat the whole bar, it's equal to drinking like a half cup of black coffee. Oh wow! Um, so you can feel like a little bit of a caffeine buzz off that if you're yeah. eating it in the morning, it'll help get you going. So if you eat a whole one, it's like a half a cup of coffee. Yes, correct. Gotcha. Nothing yeah. crazy, but a little bit. Yeah. I mean, this shows you how much, I mean, I've definitely eaten, you know, a full bar of yours, but for the most part, I tend to not eat the whole thing just because I'm like, you know what I mean? It's just like, I, well, I always like one thing to have it, but it feels like I never need to eat a whole thing. Right. Right. Is that, is that strange? Or maybe that's just because I'm, you know, maybe getting a little older and I don't, <laughs> I'm not burning <laughs> as many calories anymore. Right. But, it, but some people probably are pounding, I mean, like 700 calories. Yeah. What does the average person burn? Like, I'm, not, I'm trying to think of that now. A few thousand, right? A couple thousand? A couple thousand, and I would go so far as to say that uh, most of our customers probably don't fall into the uh, average person category. Uh, it, it takes a special kind of person to to want to do some of these things. But uh, yeah, like three off the top of my head, we had Caleb Dressel, who was uh, what is a seven-time gold medalist Olympic swimmer for the United States. Uh, he was buying bars from us at one point. We had we had a guy who was going to do the uh, canning stock route, which is like 
I forgot how many thousand miles it is, but it's this uh, mountain biking route in Australia. So it goes like through the desert there. And uh, he was gonna he was gonna do all of his lunches uh, off of our bars, and then uh, let's see, there was there was an ultra marathoner who was doing it was called the Lapland Ultra. It's a three hundred kilometer uh, foot race through uh, the Lapland Arctic, which I think is in Finland. But yeah, they like pull sleds behind them and uh, and that whole thing. So those folks are a little extreme, but. Yeah, usually our, our customers are people that are, uh, you know, out on their feet for, for quite a bit of time, whether that's a backpacking trip or a long day hunting or fishing. Um, and they're, they're just looking for an easy way of like, hey, I got enough other things to think about. I just want to buy a box of these and know that my nutrition's taken care of. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's huge. And I, yeah, we have a lot of fishermen, obviously, but also hunters. You know, we've got a good chunk of people listening that are definitely into hunting. And, and I find myself out hunting a lot where, you know, you you get an animal down, right? And it's like, it's midday hot and you're just beat and you got two more hours, three more hours to get this thing out. So that's why, I mean, really safety is a real deal, right? I mean, do you guys find yourself looking at that? Like this is a safety thing to have too, where if you are out there for night, you actually have something to uh, kind of survive on? Oh, Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I think like a lot of times with safety, you're trying to play the balance of you're kind of weighing the risks with like the nuisance of carrying extra gear. Um, I actually got caught out this summer cause I, uh, <laughs> was doing a backpacking trip that I had planned to be able to make it up to this hut, uh, like a backcountry hut. And, uh, given some of the conditions, we weren't going to be able to make that, but we had elected to leave our tent back at the truck. And, uh, and also the forecast when we left was for, uh, it was supposed to be dry for the next several days, but we had this random July storm roll through and, uh, yeah, I got a little hairy there, but you know, in that situation, we were weighing the benefit of, you know, the weight of taking a big tent with us versus the risk of like what it would be like to stay out without a tent. Um, and, and then you apply that to nutrition and it's okay. I don't think I'm going to be out that long. But the weight of carrying an extra couple freeze-dried meals, uh, is it worth it? And so I think, you know, a product like this makes it a little bit easier where you can throw an extra bar in and it's 160 grams. Um, and it's nice and compact. And if you don't use it, you throw it back in your pantry. Um, so, yeah, we they're fairly popular for that. And I think, yeah, especially for for hunters that, you know, might only plan to, hunters or fishers that plan only be out for a day, but like you're, you're hiking back several miles and maybe you sprain an ankle or, you know, something like that. Maybe you get lost. Uh, it's, it's nice to, to have one of these where it's like, you might have a lot of other problems, but at least, at least you won't be going hungry. Yeah. Food's one. And I can imagine too, on like the, the survivalist, right. Or just even being safe. Like, you know, you have a tsunami or something like that. Right. And you're kind of your house thing having that. I mean, it seems like this would be a great thing to have instead of some of that other stuff right that maybe isn't as nutrient uh kind of packed as yours is that something you think about as well oh totally totally no i think i think they're pretty appropriate for that um we actually we also had a survival uh there's a group that was doing a survival challenge where they had to survive out of a ziploc baggie for 72 hours so like everything had to fit into a quart size baggie and uh, they, they actually chose to use range bars for the nutrition and then you know they had cordage and a knife and uh, a bunch of other stuff, flint and steel. Uh, but yeah, so from the survival perspective, and then people that want to have like a little bit of a, I don't know if you call it prepping, but 
you know, just have a, a little bit of supplies put away. Um, so like, yeah, if, if uh, stuff hits the fan, you can get out of Dodge for a little bit. And so I think our bars are pretty appropriate for that. The one thing I'd note is that the shelf life is like 12 months. Oh, 12 so, months. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not like they're going to go bad on you overnight, but uh, this might be something where you buy quite a few of them to keep in there. And then as it comes up on 12 months, maybe you start using them for your day trips and stuff. Yeah, I gotcha. And that's because you actually aren't using a bunch of preservatives and stuff like that. How, why is it? What's the difference between that and say one of these other bars where you could have it for 10 years and still be fine? Yeah. So if you, if you look at, uh, at the bars that are specifically intended for, you know, seven year shelf lives, uh, Basically, the two ingredients are going to be palm oil and like straight corn syrup or sugar. Um, and so that makes them very shelf stable and like in a pinch, that would keep you going, right? That's sugar and fat, like your body's happy. Uh, but if you brought that on a backpacking trip, uh, you're probably not going to be feeling super great. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, we've struck maybe a decent balance of, you know, if you look at our ingredients, it's all stuff that you're going to have in your pantry um and yet it's still 12 months is a decent amount of time so if you if you buy one of these you've got quite a bit of time to use it and uh and yeah it's nice just to have a box sitting in your pantry so that if that last minute weekend trip comes up you can uh throw it in your pack and get out the door yeah that's right your bars i mean we mentioned a couple of these things i mean the ingredients and stuff like that. i mean how do you get you said you're an engineer or you had that engineering I mean, is it pretty like just creating a bar? You said you're sitting at your house, you just made this thing. I mean, is that pretty simple or have you done some research over the years trying to figure out like, okay, you know, what do I need to use and all that? Because if it was me and I was making something, it'd be a disaster. The kitchen would be destroyed. <laughs> you know, it tastes like crap. I mean, do you have, did you do a lot of work there just to get, become like kind of a cook to understand this? Oh, totally. It's, I mean, it's, it's equal parts uh, being a chef and a scientist. Uh, so yeah, I started, we were talking about where this started and I, I moved back to Vancouver, Washington and, you know, a year after being an engineer, I decided, ah, I want, I want to take this on and see what it would take to get this on the market. And really one of my first steps was taking a course from the food innovation center in Portland, Oregon. So it's this really cool facility. It's run by Oregon state university. And, uh, yeah, they just ran me through basically a uh, boot camp on food science. Um, and so collaborating with them, I was able to understand what the formulation would have to be uh, in order to be shelf stable and safe and all those things and still be, you know, tasty and made with all natural ingredients. Um, so that was a, that was a great resource. And, uh, certainly learned a lot from them that, uh, that has resulted in, you know, I think our formulation is a pretty good mix of, you know, it's all natural. It tastes good. And it, it's, uh, it's safe on the shelf for over 12 months. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Meal Bars made by a small team of passionate outdoor enthusiasts. The Range team only uses the highest quality gluten-free ingredients. And they know they want to fuel your body with the right stuff. We did a recent episode where we talked about backpacking and packing your pack and getting ready for a might be a hike into a high mountain lake. And we talked about the power of food and getting the right food in your pack and how important that is to shaving off a weight. And this bar packs a punch with 700 calories. This is a super dense bar, tastes good, and uh, and it's exactly what uh, we were talking about in that episode. It's, so you can pretty much throw one bar in there if you had to. To be honest, this thing would probably make you through a couple of meals. 
I eat these things whenever I need to, and usually one chunk of this, one bite, will keep me going for quite a while. So it's quite a bit different now that I've been snacking on these for a while, definitely than pretty much all the other meal bars because of the caloric intake. And this is important when you're out there for safety or on the water or just keeping that uh, stomach from growling. Like I said, range bar is small enough to fit in your hand and slides easily to, into your pocket of your vest or sling pack, anything you need. They currently have two flavors. Uh, one is chocolate coffee and the other is molasses ginger sea salt. You can check out range right now at wetflyswing.com slash range. R-A-N-G-E. Range meal bars. You won't go back to the normal bar. Okay, back to the show. What was it like putting together the whole, so you have the actual bar, you know, getting that nailed, but then you also have kind of the, you know, like putting together your, the packaging and, and kind of the distribution and all that stuff. Has that been, has that been a pretty decent learning curve kind of getting all that lined out and oh even the God, regulations, yeah. right? Cause you've got the food, the FDA, right. And you got a bunch of, and the, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things where when you see something on the shelf, that is like the tip of the iceberg. There is even the simplest of things like this is probably one of the more simple products that you could make. And, uh, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. It was when I was getting started, I had to find commercial suppliers for all my ingredients. Like you can't just walk into Fred Meyer and, and buy the oats that you're going to use in these bars. So I had to figure that out, I had to get a food processing license from the state. So I had to give those folks all the paperwork that they needed and write up all the documentation about the precautions I was going to take. Um, and then the other big thing was I had to find a commercial kitchen that I could produce my bars in. Um, so we've since moved into a different facility, but, uh, yeah, for a long time there, we were making them strictly by hand on weekends with friends and family. Um, so that, and then you mentioned the packaging, which is actually packaging has equal parts in the shelf life. So you got to make sure you pick oh, the right, right, pick the right material and make sure that it's sealed in the proper way. Um, for a while we were actually flushing them with nitrogen, uh, to displace, uh, to displace the oxygen that would typically be in the package. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been a lot to learn there. And then we're distributing through about 40 outdoor stores in the U S. Uh, but yeah, learning how to work with those folks and, uh, and really just make folks aware that, that these bars are an option for them has been huge learning curve coming from like a technical engineering background. That has definitely. Do you have like in the outdoor space? I mean, I, I guess you're more in the food space, but it's kind of an overlap because you're just as much outdoor. Are there other companies you see out there or you've kind of had as kind of help guide, you know, how you do things a little bit or maybe mentorship, that sort of thing? Or have you just kind of been on your own just being like, you know, I'm, I'm building this bar and I'm going to figure it out as I go? No, I, uh, that's one of the cool things about the food space uh, is that folks are pretty friendly. And even though it's definitely, you know, there's some competition there, uh, folks are pretty, pretty open to sharing what they've learned and tips and tricks. So really what got me started on this whole path is I emailed a uh, hot sauce company out of Portland. Like I'd, I'd seen them at farmer's markets and whatnot. And it looked like they were kind of getting their feet under them. And it's like, okay, they, they figured out how to do this. I wonder, I wonder how they got started. So I shot them an email. I'm like, I want to do this. You guys have done something similar. Like, where did you start? And uh, they, they were actually the ones that sent me to the Food Innovation Center. They said, uh, you know, we don't have time to show you how to do this, but these people could help you. Um, so that's really where I got started. And then since then, 
uh, I mean, it's gone both ways. I have continued to receive mentorship from other local companies. So there's like a, there's a local trail, uh, trail butter. Uh, it's like a nut butter company out of Portland. And, uh, and that company has been uh, super friendly about, yeah, telling me what they're doing and uh, a little bit of guidance there. And then on the flip side, I've also been able to help out some other younger companies that they're kind of looking for how to get started themselves. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of a cool community that way. And it's, it's definitely a small world. It is. I know I feel the same way. It's, I think probably any business, you know, would take that advice, right. That would help because we're doing the same thing with other podcasters, you know, out there is I feel like, you know, the more we help, you know, we, you kind of lift each other out up, right. It's like, you're helping somebody they're helping, then it kind of pays you back. You don't even realize it. You know, but that stuff helping the, the that other business, you know what I mean? It just pays you back in dividends in long term. So totally. that's cool to hear. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, uh, what's the term? A rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, I always I don't get that. I know it, but yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, rising tide lifts all sh- boats or ships, or whatever. So I totally agree. Um, good. So what now? What do you got? So as you look out, so you got range. You got this good bar. You got this power packed uh, bar. You know, as you look out the next five, ten years, what does this look like? Do you you know do things change a lot, or do you have goals to conquer the world? What's that look like? Yeah, well, I think uh, conquering the world is probably at least ten years out. But uh, okay, you have to it, wait a little it, bit there. Yeah, it's definitely coming though. Um, yeah. In the short term, I think we'd like to add a third flavor. Um, so as we continue to grow, that's going to allow us to add a third, fourth, and maybe a fifth flavor. And uh, really, one one kind of cool thing I'd like to do is make that third flavor nut free, um, because even though I think it's like two percent of the population is allergic to nuts, it's uh, those folks are really kind of dealt out of the hand when it comes to, to energy bars where a lot of, a lot of the options out there have nuts in them. So it'd be, it'd be cool to make at least one of those formulations nut free so that those folks can get in on the action. And uh, yeah, other than that, I think being able to expand the uh, expand our audience and maybe expand kind of what we're giving back to the community. Uh, we're already a member of 1% for the planet. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to continue doing that and uh, and maybe even be able to scale that a bit where we're giving more than we need to, um, whether that's giving back to trail maintenance or uh, or organizing uh, kind of like some habitat restoration type stuff. There's uh, there's been some brands in the in the space that have done some really cool stuff that I think as we grow, we're going to be able to to give back more. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think we'll, we'll perfect. Keep- make sure that our products are still super high quality. I think there's the temptation to start cutting corners once, uh, once you feel like you've made it, so to speak. Right. But I think, uh, I think we're going to make sure we don't do that. And, uh, other than that, I, I think, uh, we'll be pretty happy with where we're at there. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you mentioned 1% for the planet. We just had literally this morning before this podcast, I'll put a link out the show, no- uh, show notes. We had Craig Matthews on, who's a big, fly angler in uh, the Yellowstone area, he's, he co-founded 1% with uh, Yvonne Chenard back in the day. And he told that story of, of the, you know, how that happened, how he met Yvonne and how they started 1%. And it's pretty cool because it was the same, basically it was a grassroots starting just like what you're talking about here. You know, the, I think a lot of the greatest companies do start small. Would you agree? Have you heard some stories about that, that, you know what I mean? Like some of the best companies are those ones that start where they're scratching their own itch. 
Totally. Yeah. Well, cause I think it gives you the passion, right? And like you, to a certain extent, you are your customer. And so I think that really allows you to appreciate what problem you're trying to solve. And ultimately you're going to know when you solved it, because if you wouldn't use your own product, then you haven't solved the problem. Um, but yeah, and I think beyond that, I think it's also nice, uh, small organizations, I think have an easier time of being accountable to their vision. So, you know, as soon as, as soon as the organization gets big enough where someone's going to be tempted to, to, yeah, start cutting corners and, and get away from the reason that the organization started, uh, I think things get a little hairy. So yeah, I think, you know, Patagonia has been a great example of that where, you know, they're, they're very successful, but I think they're still grounded in the mission that, you know, originally got them, got them started. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he's, he's definitely doubled down and, uh, I'm still hopeful to get him on and, and hear the story from, you know, from his mouth himself, because it is a cool one. You know what I mean? And now they're, you know, we always, it's cool to say it, but you know, the, the, the mission of the company, right. Is to save our home planet. And you know, they've changed that recent or whatever that was a couple of years ago. And actually there's been some interesting stuff they've done with their profit, right. All that stuff giving away. I don't know. It's, I think it is obviously everybody expects it from uh, Patagonia, but you know, other companies, right. I mean, I think it, it, there's a lot of room for other companies to do some of the same stuff. Like when you look at the conservation, it sounds like that's a big part of what you do. Are there other, you know, nonprofits groups that you really, you know, and maybe that could be your 1% that you give money to that you really want to highlight or you're looking to connect with? I think uh, one group that I'm aware of that kind of stands out to me specifically because I enjoy uh, snow sports, like especially backcountry skiing and climbing and whatnot, is uh, it'd be, I'd like to learn more about Protect Our Winters and understand uh, what they're up to. And I'm also familiar, there's a, a local group I now live in Seattle, Washington, and uh, there's a local group working to expand access to the Cascades because uh, there's really a couple pinch points here where there's like a couple trailheads that just get way too much traffic and it's causing you know erosion and stuff like that. So it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see if I could work with with that group as well, especially because it's it's like very grassroots. They're in their first I think two years as a nonprofit. Um, but yeah, that and then uh, one one thing that I'd be interested in because we make a food product is uh, seeing if we can't start donating to a couple food banks or potentially even disaster relief. Um, we we uh, going on a tangent here. We had someone approach us that they were trying to provide aid to uh, Afghanistan when that whole debacle was was really hitting a boiling point. And so they were saying like, Hey, I'm working with the state department. Like if, if I can get a little bit of funding here, I'd like to get like a couple pallets of these, uh, airlifted over there. So I think as we grow, we might have more flexibility to like, not only like, uh, cooperate with those, but maybe even spearhead something like that, whether that's, uh, close to the local community or if there's a, another cause that's relevant. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. That, that would be cool to keep uh, in touch on that. I'm always looking at opportunities, right? That's kind of the cool thing about doing the podcast is, you know, so many people I talk to being able to connect and hear about some of the groups they're interested in. It kind of expands our, you know, our network and chance to do some good stuff out there. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely have to keep in touch on that. Um, anything else, you know, as far as with the, the bar, I mean, it seems like obviously, like you said, it's pretty simple to make that sort of thing. 
But anything else you want to highlight that we haven't touched on here about the bar, kind of where you're going, what people can expect uh, from range? No, I think, I think we've touched on most of it. The only other thing that I'll add that's just kind of an interesting um, aspect of the formulation is that unlike some of the other energy bars that you might find, uh, range bars don't freeze when it gets cold. Um, so, so they get certainly get, they get more firm. But you're not going to take a tooth out like you would with uh, some of the other bars that people might have experience with. Um, so, so that's been kind of an interesting thing. But no, other than that, I think we've we've really highlighted what they are and kind of where it's going. And I think what folks can expect from us is uh, the formulation is going to stay pretty much where it is, and uh, hopefully another flavor or two coming out in the near future. And uh, as we just talked about, hopefully being able to give back to the community and uh, and more of that as we continue to grow. Perfect. No, it sounds like a, a perfect plan. What's the, uh, you know, thinking about we, stories, you mentioned a few of them. Do you talk to a lot of your customers that are out there doing stuff? And do you hear some stories as, as you're going, as you, you know, you're selling these things? Oh, totally. I think honestly, how I hear about them the most is uh, people literally email me and say, you know, I've got, I've got this big event that I'm prepping for or this you know, this big thing that I'm trying to take on, um, you know, and they'll, they'll pepper me with questions about, you know, how long do they last? Uh, do you have enough inventory to ship this many? And so that's, that's typically how I'll hear about these big endeavors is, uh, you know, I'm shipping a couple cases to the person. Um, so that's one way. And then on social media, just being able to get tagged in a couple things of how people are using the bars and, you know, you'll see someone up on a summit or out on a hunt right. or, you know, they just completed the PCT. Uh, so that's typically how I'm, I'm hearing back from my customers about what they're using range for. Yeah, exactly. And, and do you have a, a story that you think of whenever somebody asks you about, you know, there must be diverse types of things out there, but any, any stories you want to leave us with that are, you know, kind of memorable as far as the range and, and your customers out there? I think... And this is on a different topic, but like uh, maybe the most memorable one that I've gotten was someone that was uh, struggling with an eating disorder. And uh, they basically said like, yeah, I was in a bad spot and like was not able to put weight on and and all that. And uh, as soon as I found your product, it was something that was appetizing and calorically dense. And, you know, it, it really was a fundamental tool for me to get back from that. So as much oh, wow. fun, yeah. As much fun as like all this outdoorsy, you know, climbing mountains, fishing, hunting. Uh, as much fun as all that is, I think that email is one that stands out. Right. So that was literally somebody that was struggling to put weight on. Yep. Yep. Right. Right. Which is a major. Yeah. There's all sorts of eating disorders that you know, if you don't know that space, yeah, that's a common thing. Totally. Well, Zach, I think, um, you know, I wanted to touch on here today just to give people uh, kind of a primer so they hear you a little bit. But I think we're going to have some more stuff we're going to be digging into here as as we move ahead. Um, and I'm going to keep these things, you know, like I said, uh, it's one of those things where I, I've always got a bar. So, um, you know, I can't I can't leave home without it. So we're going to keep that going. Let's do the um, I've been calling this thing the, the two minute drill. It usually takes a little longer than two minutes, but I got a few kind of random questions to take it out of here. And uh, you ready to jump into this? I'm ready for the drill. Hit me with it. All right, let's do it. Um, so you've talked a little about it a little bit, but when you think of your outdoor stuff, give us your top, you know, whatever, five. What are the activities you're doing? It sounds like climbing is one of them, but do you have, or do you like do everything or are you kind of doing a few things? 
Uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a busy guy, so I've had to pare it down a little bit. But typically, you'll find me during the winter, I like to backcountry ski. Um, and it's, it's sweet. Being in Seattle, uh, I'm, a, I'm a new transplant. Been here for about six months. So first first winter actually living here. But, uh, you know, there's you can't throw a rock without hitting a mountain range. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to explore the Cascades on skis. And uh, when it's when there's not snow on the ground, you'll typically find me uh, backpacking. Uh, I do a little bit of rock climbing, quite a bit of mountain biking. And uh, and also it's a little harder to do now that I'm in Seattle. But when I was living further south, I uh, actually got out and surfed on the Oregon coast quite a bit. So, yeah, that's that's typically what you'll find me doing. I actually uh, in the past, I have done a bit of uh, fly fishing, especially back in Montana. And uh I also took a stab at hunting for a season, but uh, I think that's going to be something I need to save for uh, when I have a little bit more time on my hands to be able to get out and scout and uh, do more research and, and really get that dialed. But yeah, that, that's typically what you'll find me doing. That's right. Yeah, the hunting is definitely, uh, there's a learning curve there for sure. Um, so you're in Bozeman. What do you, when you look at Bozeman versus the Northwest, did you miss anything about Bozeman or just in Montana in general? I think uh, the, the short answer is yes, definitely. I think the, the ease of access to the outdoors there is just unparalleled. And uh, I think specifically when I was going to school there, I discovered uh, these forest service cabins that you can book. And uh, that was always one of my favorite things to do is just get a group of guys together and, you know, uh, pack, a, pack a little bit of whiskey and some bacon and a, and a little boom box and, that, that that was my favorite thing to do, but yeah, certainly certainly things I miss about Bozeman. There you go. Yeah, whiskey, bacon, and a boombox. I love that. That's going to be the title. <laughs> that might be the title of this one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, what's your what's your whiskey? Do you do you have? Are you a, are you more of a, a whiskey drinker or like a beer drinker? I think uh, when it comes to that whiskey, um, but yeah, we'd usually do what was it? Wild turkey, I think, was the go-to. But yeah, good times up in the lookouts. Nice. Yeah, in the lookouts, cool. What about your, I always love to dig a little bit into the art stuff. So like the, your music, do you have a kind of type of music or a kind of a group or something like that you listen to? Yeah, my music is pretty eclectic. Uh, I do play tenor saxophone, so I, I guess I oh, wow. produce music as well. But uh, yeah, music's all over the place. Sometimes it depends on the time of year too, but typically anything between uh, country and then I guess technically a little bit of rap too, if I'm like lifting weights or something, but yeah, typically like country or like uh, I guess a little bit of indie. What's a rap? Give us a rap. Give us a. Do you have any uh, something we can kind of throw in there? Uh, take a look at online. Oh, it's it's nothing too creative, but uh, I'll throw out like Eminem. Uh, Is Eminem still going? Oh no, it's all his old stuff. Like uh, oh yeah, old school. Yeah, yeah. Eight mile, eight mile. Pitch, yeah, so totally. Lose yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was cla- Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Nice. Perfect. All right. Well, this is good because we're going to get an Eminem. I'm gonna, this gives me an opportunity to look up some and throw this in the show notes. So we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get a get an Eminem rolling here. And uh, let's keep on this. So so movies wise, just to get to know you a little more, give, give us your your movie genre or a movie that you really love. What, do you have a favorite movie? Oh man, I think uh, I really like adventure documentaries. And uh, tying back to Montana, there was a, a documentary produced. 2017 maybe called unbranded and it's a it's about four uh graduated uh texas i think it's texas a&m maybe 
uh, students, but they're like childhood friends and they, uh, they ride from the border of Mexico to Canada on wild Mustangs that they tamed. Oh, amazing. It's a cool, and there actually there's some fly fishing in there too. Come to think of oh, it. Oh, nice. Yeah. But that super cool nice. documentary. I just rewatched it for like the fifth time. Um, cool. And some good music in there. Good music in there as well. Perfect. See, th- this is why I do this little segment because it, it's like I'm scratching my own itch. I love to, now I've got a movie to watch for the, for the weekend. So this is Oh, it's perfect. great. It's great. You'll love it. Cool, man. All right. Well, I think I'm feeling pretty good about this. I, I wanted to dig in a little bit and hear a little of your story. I think we, we got that out there and um, we know where you're headed. So I think uh, what we'll do is maybe leave this till the next one and we'll uh, send everybody out to, uh, to Range Meal Bar and if they want to check in with you. And uh, yeah, and anything else before we head out of here? It sounds like you're going to be digging back in, maybe some new flavors coming up. Are these flavors potentially like in the next year? Is that what we're kind of looking at? I think that's what we're targeting. Yeah, it really comes down to we just made a pretty big transition on the production side to kind of step into a bigger facility. And uh, yeah, we're really getting the hang of that. And I think within the next year here, we'll be ready to to add to our resume a little bit and give folks some more uh, variety. Awesome. All right, Zach, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch here and get everybody uh, sending them out to where we've been sending them. Actually, wetflyswing.com slash range is the other place. And we'll put links out in the show notes. And uh, thanks for taking the time today and for uh, producing the great product. Uh, definitely, we're going to keep that thing in our, in our pocket uh, for the rest of the year. So thanks again, Zach. Fantastic. Great chatting. There we go. Zach Hine on his way out of here. Wetflyswing.com slash 438 to circle around and find out where you can pick up some of those bars right now. Zach's got some good stuff over there. I know I'm getting hungry right now. I'm getting hangry. I'm actually hangry right now. So I need to get myself arranged meal bar i'm gonna get on it quick listener shout out before we get out of here craig mccormick craig mccormick uh reached out and uh and had some cool stuff to say here on email he said he's been a listener for a long time and really enjoys the podcast he lives in indianapolis and he says i suppose my favorite species is smallmouth but i also do a lot of fishing for carp steelhead in michigan and trout mostly stocked rainbows in central indiana and wild varieties in Michigan. We have a couple of good shops here, Moving Waters Outfitters and Flymasters and Quality um, Local Rod Builder, Walton Rod. So we're getting uh, three, we're getting four shout outs today. This is good stuff. So shout out to uh, those shops and the Local Rod Builder. And Craig, thanks for uh, checking in, Craig. Uh, and definitely, I'm gonna look forward to uh, maybe connecting with those, uh, those folks you listed here. And uh, if you want to get a shout out on this podcast, you can check in with me by email, dave at wetflyswing.com or check in with me on social media anytime. And I would love to connect with you if we haven't touched base yet. Great way uh, to get an episode for yourself on this podcast as well. All right, we're heading out of here. Hope you have a great morning. Hope you have a great afternoon or great evening wherever in the world you are. And I look forward to talking to you or seeing you soon on the water. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.